It's February. And did you know this has become known as the love month? The month where on the 14th, you're supposed to make that special effort to let those you care about know in a special way that you care about them. I've never really understood why February 14th. Why is it the one day a year that is especially tagged as that special day to express love? I've always thought if you really love someone, it should be an everyday expression. And you know what? I thought since this is February, the love month, that we would take time to talk about love. I'm Richard Flint and the host of Let's Talk Human Behavior. You know this as well as I do. Life is about emotions. And emotions are expressed through behavior. Several years ago, I had the privilege of meeting uh, my guest today, Robert Beagle. And, and it's interesting that when I knew I wanted to do this show, I reached out to Robert and asked him to join me because Robert is the creator of a, a weekly love letter entitled Romantic Memo. And Robert, I am so happy to have you here with me today uh, to help us talk about love and about romance because we know the word love and romance never create any confusion. And it's such a huge word with so many different understandings. So tell us a little about you and how in the world did you get started with Romantic Memo? Well, thank you, Richard. Happy to be on this podcast with you to talk about one of my favorite subjects, romance. Um, I'm kind of a hopeless romantic and have been most of my life. But what really got me started in getting deeper into this was um, a tragedy. And, you know, sometimes out of tragedy, good things come. Uh, several years ago, I went through a divorce. And I was fortunate to have a very good friend, Dave. And he was there for me. We talked through things. And one day we were talking, I said, Dave, you know, I miss getting my wife flowers or chocolates or gifts or taking out to dinner and all those romantic things. And his comment to me was, oh, man, I wish I was like that, because about the time I'm driving in the driveway at night, it's when I think about, oh, I should have got my wife some flowers or something like that. And it kind of sparked an idea that I bet he's not the only guy. So I started creating what I called packages of romantic sparks, making them available to clients. And the idea was you get this box, it has three or four things in with the instructions on how to put it together and create a romantic interlude with your sweetheart. One year uh, for Valentine's actually, I thought, let me create a special package and make it available to two people that I think really could use it because their relationship was just in trouble. So I gathered together some friends and we had dinner together and I showed them some of the ideas I had and they gave their input on it. And just about the end of it, I pulled out this little booklet, little pamphlet I'd written called how to be the romantic your sweetheart desires. And every one of them turned to me as they looked through and go, no, this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to be writing about. This is what you need to be, to, to be presenting to people. 
And that was kind of the spark that over a decade ago started me on the road with a romantic memo and Romance Live. Oh, you know, Robert, it's interesting because uh, the words I love you uh, are used in so many different ways. Um, and, and then the, the concept that we put with that is the concept of romance. And I'm not sure people understand what the meaning of romance is all about, because that word sure has a lot of different feelings attached to it. So as you've looked at the, the word romance, what, what have you discovered? What is it about this word? Well, it's interesting when you say romance, uh, people will think about, oh, it's poetry like Elizabeth Barrett Browning, how do I love thee, let me count the ways. Or they might talk about music. In fact, there's a whole genre of classical music from the Romantic period. Uh, you've also got gifts or there could be uh, different novels, romance novels. So it, it's, it's very confusing. And the one that will get me on my soapbox real quickly is that people say, oh, romance. Well, that is, as the commercials say, when the moment's right for romance, you just need our little yellow pill. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Romance is not that. Um, here's, what I, here's what I define as romance. And that is, it's doing something special for your sweetheart, which is appreciated, unexpected. It's kind of unique between the two of you. It might even be magical, you could say. But most of all, it reminds your sweetheart of why he or she fell in love with you and continues to love you. Now, if you want to look at one side on, on um, love and on the other side, uh, romance, I look at it this way. Love is a checkbook. It is what goes day by day and we both put money into it. We both put take money out of it and it keeps the relationship going on the day-to-day -day basis. I kind of see romance like a savings account. It is something you put in there. It's memories you put in there. It's experiences you share, you put in there. It's unique things between the two of you that you deposit in there. And it's not for everyday living necessarily, but when you hit those really tough times, just like a savings account, you can go into your romantic savings account and you're reminded of, oh, I remember when we did this. And, and I remember how that felt. And I remember doing this together, how close we felt. And it kind of is something that brings you through those tough times. So the other part of it I love about that savings account idea is when you put that experience in, when you put that memory into the savings account, you have that whole experience, which is wonderful. So it kind of works on both sides of it. You know, Robert, when I was doing marriage counseling uh, and you'd sit there and you'd talk to a couple, um, I, I noticed in, uh, that relationships around the word love tend to go in and out of certain things. Like I, I found that many times in a relationship, uh, the relationship goes to a time where you tolerate each other. Uh, and then there are times when you're your friends. And then you're, there are times when you love each other. And other times when you're in love with each other. 
And what I found is that relationships, when two people are in love with each other, they never fall out of love with each other. They fall out of love with what the relationship has deteriorated to. And that there is that special something that brings two people together. And sometimes you can't define it, but it's there. And if you go through the times of tolerate, are you your friends, are you like, you can handle anything. If you go back to that special something and you can get back to the point of being in love with each other. And if you can't get back to that point of being in love with each other, the, the relationship becomes its own destruct, self-destructive thing. And, and what I'm seeing today, and tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, but there are uh, confusions being created by the words that are associated with all of this, uh, because we've, we've made sex the biggest word. And uh, being in love doesn't seem to be as important as the concept of sex. And, and you know, you growing up, my, my father suddenly in many ways taught me that those words were equivalent, romance and sex. And like I said earlier, boy, you get me on a, on a soapbox there if you want to confuse those two, because you're right, they, they, they don't, they're not the same. Why are they so confusing? I think that a lot of people don't take the time to find out how important romance is. And so they look for, what is it that's unique between us? Well, the obvious thing is the physical relationship and sex. That's unique in a relationship, or it should be. But it's beyond that when you go to romance, because there's, there's, there's ways I romance my sweetheart that I would not interact that way with anyone else. One of the things, uh, you know, that's why I like the, the, the illustration of a savings account, a romantic savings account. You know, that love is that checkbook, romance is that savings account, and romance may lead to sex, but romance I don't see as, as sex. Yeah, you know, to me, a relationship that's just purely sexual is uh, letting your animal instinct go. And so you use somebody for your own gratification. Uh, and it's a, it's a moment uh, where romance to me is, uh, it's a journey uh, that you build on. It's meeting someone and discovering that special something and that special something just says, you know what? There's, there's something here that's different. I was talking with a gentleman just last night and I asked him how he and his wife met. And he said that he was uh, working for Texaco and she was working for Exxon. And they wound up at a, an industry party together. And when he saw her and he said hi to her and she looked at him, inside himself, he told himself, that's her. That's whom I've been waiting for. And there was that special something that just captivated them. And so they wanted something that had meaning to it. And I'm not sure that sex has a lasting meaning to it. 
where romance is something you build on. Am I correct? Oh, I uh, yes, I agree with that because I look at it this way. Romance, you take it out of the relationship. It is manipulative. It is trying to get something uh, for you. It's supposed, like you said, it's to satisfy a personal, personal desire. And, and that's why I talk about the relationship triangle. And I think you need to have, if you're going to have good romance, you need to have a good relationship, which allows you to relax and enjoy the romantic interludes and enjoy the romantic sparks. I've not heard the term romantic triangle before. So uh, what, what's the romantic triangle? Well, the romance triangle, uh, and as you know, a triangle is one of the most stable um, geographic, or not geographic, uh, uh, type of forms that you can have. And so on one side, the first side is time. Because you've got to dedicate time to learn about romance. You need to dedicate time to romance your sweetheart. And if you're not willing to put in the time, if you're not willing to put forth the effort to learn about it, then romance is going to kind of fall apart. So that's side one is what I call time. On side two, is your romantic preferences. This is how you prefer to be romanced. Uh, for instance, uh, I talked about uh, gifts a little earlier. Uh, I remember having one of the Romance Alive experiences done, and we were talking about the preferences, and this lady stood up and she says, well, if it doesn't have a diamond that I can put on myself somewhere as a ring or a bracelet, then it's not romance. And I thought, yep, she prefers little gifts. And another person I was talking with reading one of my memos says, oh, my, my wife complains about the fact that I don't use those, those, those words that we used to use, affection, words of affection with each other. And I thought, you know, she just told you how she likes to be romanced. So the second side of that triangle is the romantic preferences. And of course, it takes time then, not only to learn your romantic preference, but something back to my definition of romance that's important. It's what is your sweetheart's preference? How does your sweetheart prefer to be romanced? And then the, the foundation of the whole thing, and I think, Richard, you talk about this all the time. It's great to have head knowledge, but unless you put it into action, you've wasted a lot of time. And so we have time as one side, we have romantic preferences as side number two, and then the foundation of it, the bottom line is you have to take action in order to bring romance into your relationship. So that's my romance triangle. Well, let, let's play with this for a second. Okay. It, it starts with uh, time. And I've always been amazed at how much time two people will spend together before they get married. And they make time for each other. Um, I mean, having, having time is, uh, with each other is so important. But then somewhere along the way, it, it's almost like um, life gets in the way of the relationship. So does life well, get in the way or do we allow life to get in the way? Because well, you, you have 
you schedule calls and conferences and meetings uh, all day long for your business. Uh, I do it in my business. So the question is, do we do it in our relationships? Yeah, and the commitment of time is also a definition of priority. Yes. And it's amazing how before two people get married, uh, they date and they go out and they do fun things and they spend that quality time with that special person. And then all of a sudden they get married. And the one thing they seem to not have time for is to continue dating. Uh, because all of a sudden, it's, it's like the thrill of the chase is over. Uh, I got them. So yeah. now what I can do is I can slip back into being the person I want to be. Uh, and I think if you will still make romance a priority, what, what can change and keep, keep everything alive, keep that romance alive, keep the relationship alive, is realize uh, when we were single, we had uh, fewer responsibilities. And this is especially true in relationships with children. Uh, we could take off for a weekend. Uh, I remember before kids, one Saturday afternoon while I was living in California, uh, we drove up to Tahoe as spur of the moment, we were just going out for a ride from the Bay Area and then decided to spend the night. With kids, when they came along, we wanted to go to the grocery store. We had to spend 10 minutes packing the car to go five minutes down the road. And so as the relationship matures, as the relationship becomes a full-time relationship, marriage comes involved in it, I think that what people miss is you can still keep that alive, but in different ways. For instance, maybe you come home one evening, you're both tired, you've got all this stuff that's been pressing on you all day, and you stop and say, hey, why don't we make dinner together? and just clear off the table and have fun making dinner together for the next half hour or so. And that can be a romantic interlude in and of itself. Well, not as big as the going out and the dating outside the house that we had in our dating years. It's still, if you will turn and, and change it just a little bit, it can be, but it still means something you've got to deliberately do. For romance to, to grow, and to be willing to invest the time. Does there have to be or need to be a creative side to the romance? Yes. And the interesting thing is, and I'm sure you've seen this, creativity is, looks different to different people. Uh, for some people, creativity is taking a piece of paper and making it into an origami. For other people, it may just simply be where they color the edges so it brightens it up, both being creative, but differently. So in some respects, does this then play into your, your second part of your triangle in the preferences? And that, you know, it's, it, it's more than knowing what your partner likes. It's also getting to know where, where their desire is, where their wants are. And 
be able to creatively address those. I know I, I, I used to listen to couples talk about things they wanted to do, uh, but they never had the time to do it. And yet each was expressing a preference as to how to romance them. And it's almost like that we, we become so busy in life that we stop really listening to the signals uh, that people give us about what they, what they want and what they would like to experience. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's very true because uh, from what you're explaining, it sounds like each couple was focused on what they wanted instead of listening to what did their sweetheart want? What did the other person want? Uh, that's where I get into the platinum rule of romance. I mean, you just talk about it. So the golden rule we know out of the Bible says, do to others as you want them to do to you. But the platinum rule of romance says, romance your sweetheart, how you know your sweetheart would like to be romanced. It is, and, and this I talk about a lot in my writing and, and in speaking, et cetera, is like that. It is about your sweetheart. So maybe you don't um, like to hug a lot, but if your sweetheart really craves touch and that, that's what touches his or her soul, then you've got to ignore the fact that it's not in your comfort zone. And can you meet them where in, in their desires and their needs, as you call them? Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that, uh, that platinum because I found that very interesting. Okay. But in your, in your triangle, you have the time, you have the preference, and then you have the action. And to me, the action is what validates the other two. And I, I found that, you know, it doesn't take lots of time to have time for romance. Oh, no. But it takes time that is demonstrated. You know, it, isn't it amazing, Robert, how much money the florists make on the 14th of February? <laughs> at double the price of flowers or triple yes because what happens okay it's valentine's day so i need to take an action i need to do something that tells my my partner my significant other that i love them so i'm going to buy them roses i'm going to buy them candy i'm, I'm going to take them out to dinner and yeah. it, it it just seems like if we didn't have february 14th the florist would be out of business. <laughs> Except for people like me, you're, you're right. And, but, but the other thing, so let, let's look at this from your sweetheart's point of view. You've gone 364 days, no flowers, no going out, no gifts, no romance. And suddenly in this one day, you wanna pack everything into it. How does that make you feel? How would that make your sweetheart feel that for 364 days a year, I've not been important enough to you to romance me, and now you want to shove it into one day. Uh, that's, that's the downside of Valentine's to me. Should every day be Valentine's Day? Uh, in, in my life, it is. In my, in my life, uh, I, I'm, so with my sweetheart, I'm constantly looking for what can I do 
that would make her realize how special she is to me? How can I romance her? I don't need to romance her necessarily every day because what happens is that becomes the normal and normal, as you know, can, can then you expect more. But every week or two, something unique, something different, that's, that's, uh, keeps that romance alive. Do you think that people that like, sometimes as men, we're not good at reading the signals. <laughs> and uh, we, we miss the moments. So how do we, how do we learn to read the signals? I think the first thing you have to do is you have to proactively look for them. Because, uh, you know, I look back at my life and I look at signals that were given to me, not just in the area of relationship, but in so many others. And I was so busy looking somewhere else or not expecting it that I missed them, flew right by. And, you know, a week later, I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? She just very much said, hey, I'm interested. Would you be interested in going out? And I missed it. But if we're looking for those signals, if we're proactively go, you know what? I know my sweetheart. Uh, she likes my time. That, that's what really how she feels romantic is when I take time out of my life, turn off my devices, focus on her, maybe go for a walk or something like that. And then if I'm watching for those signals where she says, hey, how, how about if we go out for a walk? I'll pick up on them, but I have to proactively, there's our active word again, mm -hmm. um, look for it. So what else do, what else do we look for? What, what's another signal? I guess you could look at the negative side of it also. Um, you know, I, I've talked to, I've had women talk to me and they go, you know, my husband doesn't know romance from a gopher in the ground. And I want him to romance me. What can I do? And on something like this, I don't, it's, I, I, I tell him, I says, okay, what if he does a little something to pay you a little bit of attention? Would you reward that? Subtly, quietly, not a big, you know, pull out the band and the fireworks and all that he just, wow, he just opened the door for me, but just subtly reinforce that behavior. Um, if you see your sweetheart reinforcing some behavior on your part or responding when you maybe even serendipitously do something, that, that again, should give you some clues into romance. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that, you know, and, and you've probably seen this as much as I have, but you see a couple out for uh, a meal and they're not talking. Uh, yeah. I had uh, a meal night before last and I'm and sitting there and I'm watching the couples on each side of me and both of them are on their phones texting. <laughs> and I thought, what, what kind of a room, what kind of a date is this? Maybe it's not a date. You know, and, and what is that so saying? To, yeah, there's so much to what you're saying about the action. Uh, because I, I think to me, 
when it comes to romance, it's showing affection in public, okay? And not being afraid to touch. And, and, and then the other side of that then is the, the, the affection then that goes with that, that you pay attention in public and affection when you're home. Yes, uh, because for those that like the, that, that value touch, and I'm one of those people that touch is very important to me. Uh, you talk about hugs all the time, and I always am cheering you on as I listen, because I, I, I love hugs. I, I love all of that. There is a touching in public, though, that is kind of unique and, and is romantic. Uh, Let's, let's say you're at a party uh, or a gathering of some type and maybe you're there next to your sweetheart or maybe you're kind of across the room and you brush past each other, just kind of that hand lingering just a bit, maybe on, on, on the back of your sweetheart's arm or hand. Very acceptable in public, but boy, that's just a unique spark that no one else is gonna get that kind of touch. Mm -hmm. And then as, as you get into more uh, into places where there are fewer people, you know, then maybe that there's that kiss, maybe there's that little embrace. And then of course, in the privacy of your home, then you, you know, I, I suggest hugging your sweetheart for 10 seconds when you get home every day. Just, it connects you. It, it, it communicates so much about how important that that person is to you. Well, you, you know me and you know one of my philosophies is, philosophies is that the number one thing that a human life wants to know is that they matter. Oh, yes. And that you can have two people who share a house, even share a bed, uh, but there's no expression of love and romance between them. And it, that just affects the whole relationship, every aspect of it. They become roommates. Yeah. There's not that relationship. What about, you know, what about communication? If you don't have communication, I see that as, a, as what makes a relationship unique. Can, you know, makes it work, I should say. Can you communicate? Can you, and, and if you have that strong, you know, I talked about the relationship triangle. If you have a strong relationship there, then it's safe to communicate. And if it's safe to communicate, then I can tell my sweetheart when things are good or, hey, here's something that's, that, that's concerning me uh, and, and, and talk through it. And that can actually end up being in a romantic moment because as you work through it, you come closer together and that communication that, that I call it, you know, it's intimacy in its truest sense. And, you know, romance doesn't always have to be sex, right? Oh, no, Lord, no. But that seems to be how, sort of how we, we judge it today. And it's how, how young people are being taught that love is. Uh, if you love me, you give me what I want. Well, often that's what sex is. is, is you, I get, I don't worry about giving. Uh, and and that's that's very one way. That's very selfish. That's that's not a relationship. No. Well, you lay out you look at something you mentioned a little while ago, and let's just talk about it for a minute. 
you talk about this idea of the platinum rule of romance. Yep. Intrigued me. So explain that. Explain that to me. Explain it to our listeners. The platinum rule of romance. Well, platinum, which actually is more valuable than gold, this rule says, I'm going to learn how my sweetheart wants to be romanced. And I'm going to romance my sweetheart how she or he wants to be romanced. It is putting all the emphasis instead of treating you like I want to be treated, which keeps the focus very much on what I'm comfortable with, to what is it that, how is it that you want to be romanced? Let me put my focus on you and your needs. So are there parts to this? I don't know that there's necessarily parts to it because uh, I, I, I like how, it's, how it uh, kind of explains itself, but there's, there's different things you can do to make it happen. And we've talked a little bit about proactively looking for ideas on being romantic and, and how to romance your sweetheart. Uh, another one of those ideas is, and um, you've got to be willing to, to fail, is to try different ways of romancing your sweetheart. Some are gonna hit it, and I, for one, can tell you uh, they don't always make it. Because I remember um, I was having dinner with my sweetheart once several years ago and had a moment of inspiration. We were in the mall, and I told her, I said, I'll be right back. And I, I jumped in the mall, walked down, and there was uh, a florist down the mall. And I picked up, a, I bought a single rose and brought it back to her. And I thought, hey, we're having dinner. I've got a rose. This is romantic. And she turned around and she says, what are you trying to do? Mark me in your territory? And I had not seen that one coming. And that was a failure. Uh, but it didn't stop me from trying to romance her again and again and again and again. So never stop trying to create a romantic interlude and creating romance between you. I like the part where you talk about uh, be unpredictable. <laughs> you know, in some ways, we all like surprises if they're done correctly. You can take someone out to dinner and you're thinking, okay, we're going to go to this restaurant. Uh, in my writing, I talk about Robert's Romantic Rendezvous. It's a place I've created a little diner there that's uh, often at the water's edge. And you're going to have dinner there. Your sweetheart knows you're going to have dinner there. And you show up in a, in a limousine, which is unpredictable. And it just kind of made that evening that could have been a very repetitive, we've been here before, we know what this is like, we like this place, and suddenly, oh, wow, that's something different. And I've just built a memory, I've just romanced her. And, and so if you can be a little unpredictable in everyday things, you can actually turn that into a romantic moment. Well, what I, what I found is that, you know, relationships get into a rut. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's we become so comfortable with each other. What is it? It's like a comfortable old shoe. Is that sort <laughs> of what the, 
what they talk about, but that if everything in the relationship becomes predictable, then pretty soon it becomes, uh, lack of a better word, it becomes boring. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. If I always know what, um, and, and I was in a relationship once, when I came home, I would get a quick hug, a kiss, and then we, we kind of go our ways. And it was predictable every time there's a hug and kiss and, and then I went to change my clothes or whatever. Um, it got boring, it got predictable. And so occasionally I would hang on to that hug a little bit longer or uh, maybe I would suddenly pull out of a pocket a little something I got for her. But yes, if we do the same thing over and over and over again, it, it does, it loses its specialness, especially with the romance. So if a couple felt, or if someone felt that the spark was draining out of their relationship and they said, Robert, man, I don't want this to happen. How, how do we keep that spark alive? What would you tell them? Well, I would start with a romance triangle. And I said, to keep romance alive, you've got you've to set time for it. You, you've got to realize it's going to take time. It is not something that just happens on its own. Um, then move over to the preferences. Can Have we lost touch with how the other person wants to be romanced uh, and then decide to take action. And one of the places that you can do that, uh, you can actually go online, how to romance your sweetheart. And you'll get 6,254,000, you know, however many different responses within a second or two. But it is, you've got to be deliberate. If I want romance in my relationship, I can't just wish it in. Well, which means, goes back to something you talked about, which means this, this means I got to know that special somebody in my life. And I, I've got to be in tune and I've got to, to listen to what they say with both their eyes and their ears. And I, I need to be able to hear their wants and their needs. And I need to be able to see which ones are the priority for them. And, and keep them as a for, as a forefront. So if someone, if someone would like to be able to follow you in your romantic memos, how, how can they, how can they do it? Well, they can always contact me. It's Robert at romancealive.com email address and say, Hey, I'd like to subscribe to your romantic memo. Uh, at the moment it's free. Uh, it's sent out twice a week uh, and be happy to put them on the list. Or they can also go to www.romancealive.com and do, find different things that we have there available to people to help them understand romance better, to give them some insights, um, to, to read some material and things like that. So... As we pull this all together, and I said, Robert, I want you to offer our listeners the three most important tips 
you could give them to keep their romance, romance alive and to keep them connected rather than disconnected? What would you, what would you tell them? Three tips. Three tips. First of all, decide that it's important enough that you're going to you're going to romance. You're, you're, you're going to commit to doing this with your sweetheart. Uh, you're going to commit to have time to learn about romance. Uh, you're going to allow yourself to feel uncomfortable as, as you start this journey or as you take this journey to the next level. Uh, that's where I would start. Secondly, I would uh, talk with, suggest, talk with your sweetheart about it. In, in a very non-confrontational way, say, you know what? I would like to romance you more. I'm wanting to spend some more time to learn how to romance you. Can you give me some suggestions on what you think are romantic? Do you, do you like uh, little gifts or would you, do you prefer maybe a talk to you and, and tell you uh, in different ways what you mean to me? Um, do we not hug or touch uh, as much as you'd like? Uh, are, are you craving my, some of my time, uninterrupted time? So you start a conversation there. And the third thing is go back to everything else is, is do something about it, try it. Try, try creating a romantic interlude. And if it fails, don't quit, try again. And, and make notes of the ones that seem to do better than the others. And it will give you insights into your sweetheart. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how two people can be together and not be together. They can be together and be working more on disconnect yeah. than that connection. And to me, one of the ingredients that's so important is don't let the romance die. Oh no, don't don't drain that savings, that romantic savings account. Um, you've got to to intentionally put into it because like you talked earlier, relationships go through ups and downs. Sometimes you are so much together and so much in love and just it's, it's, you know, the, the sparks are there and, and the pyrotechnics are there and it's just wonderful. And there are other days you look over and go, I love him or I love her, but oh, wow. And if you have, if you've committed to bringing romance into your relationship and made deposits into the, of memories into that romantic savings account, you can go look at that and go like, you know what, we can get through this. The key is to keep the romantic fire alive. Yes, yes. Robert, thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. And uh, so if people wanted to reach out to you, they could go to either one of the two email addresses you gave. Well, they can go to the email address. Email me, robert at romancealive.com or our website, which is, uh, is romancealive.com. So either visit the website or email me directly. Happy to put you on the list uh, and uh, see what we have there available for you. And I'll tell you something, folks. 
if you get involved and you start following uh, their romance memo, uh, there's some great tips in there for you. So I highly suggest that you reach out and, and sign up for it. I mean, in today's world, romance is not the easiest thing in the world to keep alive because we're pulled in so many different directions. But if you love somebody and you're really in love with them, don't make that Valentine's Day the day you say it and you show it. Make it an everyday part of the relationship with them. I'll see you next time on as we come together and we look at human behavior because that's what we are. And you know my three little words, behavior never lies.